Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored, as usual, by audible.com, and they have loads of audiobooks, and they, they, they want you to download one for free. That's the weird thing. They actually want you to have one free. They're just like, we've got too many audiobooks and we need to give them away uh, to listeners to Luke's English Podcast. So if you'd like to download one, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke. You can get any audiobook you want. Uh, all the details are on my website. That's it for this little bit of promotion. Now let's begin the episode. Here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. I uh, hope you're all well. I hope you're fine. I hope you're doing okay. I hope the weather is all right. It's not very good here, but uh, that doesn't matter because this is audio and it really doesn't doesn't matter that much, does it, in the scheme of things. Paul Taylor is with me today. Hello, Paul. Hello. Now, before we start, Paul, um, do you think I could just have a word with you in my office? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds serious, but yeah, let's... Uh... It's, it's, not, it's all right. It's nothing to worry about. Just, um, just take a seat. Okay. Um, so... Basically, Paul, I just wanted to touch base with you, uh, just in order to kind of get all our ducks in a row, okay? Mm. So let's let's peel back the onion and have a good look under the bonnet on this podcast situation, okay? Because um, at the end of the day, you know, we've brought you on board here uh, at Luke's English Podcast because, you know, we think that you bring a lot to the table, and I think that impacts favorably on our key market component players. And I think this is something that we can leverage to bring about greater penetration, ultimately pushing our growth potential above and beyond just the low-hanging fruit mm. and into the stratosphere on this one, okay? Mm. I'm talking streamlining, I'm talking synergy, and with yourself on board, we can push the strategic staircase all the way up to 11, or I'm talking 110%, mate. After all, that's part of our DNA here at Luke's English Podcast, isn't it? We're all about cascading relevant information and branching out across new frontiers and Web 2.0 platforms. And that's why I thought I'd just reach out to you, just offline like this, just so that we could have a bit of downtime to go over this, get a helicopter view, and um, just generally make sure no one drops the ball going forwards, okay? I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, feedback says that restructuring has been working really well. I mean, clearly, this isn't a come-to-Jesus moment or anything. No, far from it. And in fact, I think there's no need for us to uh, do much more of a drill down on this one, or it'll just turn into a case of paralysis by analysis. So let's keep our eyes on the prize, okay, Paul? Now, wait, don't say anything. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Luke, how can we truly push the envelope and come up with genuinely competitive deliverables across multiple platforms to upscale our market diversity moving forwards? And that's what I like about you, Paul. You don't beat around the bush. You just say it like it is, you know. So just to finish up here, I'd just like to say, don't let the grass grow too long on this one, okay? Um, what I'm looking for is for you to just have a get-together with your team, unpack these issues, have an idea shower, uh, really just think outside the box, okay? Blue sky thinking. 
And then by the end of play, just shoot me over an exit strategy that will allow for true organic growth, maximizing our potential for upstream stratcom. Uh, so if you could just action that, and then we'll run it up the flagpole, you know, just put the record on and see who dances. And then ideally, we can look to open the kimono and truly take it to the next level going forwards, firing on all cylinders. Okay, Paul? Oh, sorry, were you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, it was, oh, yeah. sorry, I, I thought you were talking uh, on the phone to your boss there. That's, uh, I didn't understand a word of what you were saying, Luke. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Basically, that all, that all could be um, explained. That could be... Um, uh, you sound like my old boss at Apple. Really? Or my old, yeah. I, well, all I'm trying to say is it's, just, it's nice to have you on the podcast again. Oh, that's, a, that's a good call out. That's basically what I was trying to say. Oh, thank you. Thank, thanks for inviting me back on the podcast. You're welcome. But so what, <laughs> li- listeners, what you just heard there was me using a lot of what we call corporate jargon or management speak or just bollocks. Okay. <laughs> if you didn't understand it all, then I do, you know, in this episode, we do plan to come back and explain all of those things for you. Uh, also, you can see everything I just said written on the page for this episode at teacherluke.co.uk. Um, so we're talking about management speak or corporate jargon. That's the mm. focus of the episode. Okay. Now, um, so you didn't understand anything I said there, Paul? No, I understood most of it. Yeah, it was just it was just for comedic purposes. Right. Okay. Uh, I was saying that I didn't understand because uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that if you are, I guess learning English. Even if you if you if you're not learning English, I remember when I started hearing that stuff for the first time, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, even I spoke English, and and sometimes you have to uh, ask what those silly phrases mean. Uh, and uh, some I, I find it's more I find Americans use it a lot more than English people. Really? Yeah. In in my time uh, in Apple, uh, the the yeah English people tended to be the ones that were always complaining about those words and phrases, and uh, the ones who uh, were in the US. Were the ones that used it more okay. in my in my experience, but you but basically you heard a lot of this kind of um, management speak or corporate jargon mm-hmm. when you were working at Apple. Then yeah, did you? yeah, a, a huge amount. And what do you think of it when uh, you hear it? I I liked your description of it being bollocks. Yes, yeah. uh, <laughs> I hate it so much because it's uh, we work. I used to work on a global team, so uh, we had people from all different countries, and I would make a a, a pretty. Uh, big effort to not use those uh, words, buzz buzzwords, yeah, buzzwords, terms that that yeah, they mean stuff, but also there's an easy way of saying it, or there's a real English, normal conversational way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, for the people on our team who weren't native English speakers, it would annoy me on their behalf that people would use these phrases, uh, and it was it's just annoying. It's just like, well, just just say what you want to say instead of you know, right? Sh- not sugarcoating it, but putting something around it that's not actually instead of saying reach out oh thanks for reaching out just say thanks for contacting me right that's what normal human beings say yeah it's thanks for sending me an email thanks for calling me thanks for contacting me but no thanks for reaching out you didn't reach out or just wanted to touch base with you paul what what do you mean touch base what does which base to me that sounds like baseball doesn't it shouldn't it just be i just i just wanted to talk to you yeah rather than touch base with you yeah um just want to talk to you and wanted to catch up uh, on the last week's events, I just wanted to touch base about last week. Fuck! I off. just wanted to touch base offline, which basically means I just uh. wanted to talk to you with a coffee in private. That on conference calls, that was all the. It was a nightmare. We'd be on conference calls. It'd be like ten, fifteen of us, maybe twenty of us, and somebody would bring up a, a, a topic that wasn't really relevant. 
uh, to the 15, 20 people that were on the call. And somebody would be like, oh, what about this thing? And then the other person who's hosting the call is like, oh, let's talk about that offline. As in like, let's talk about it not on this conference call, but separately one-on-one rather than in a group setting. So do you think that there's a better phrase than saying in a conference call, is there a better thing to say rather than let's talk about that offline? What's a what's a better alternative? Uh, it would, uh, you know, let's just talk about that at another at different time, one on one. Or I mean, yeah, off, offline just means they're not even online. They're not right. on the internet. It's a conference call. Right. I mean, yeah, I guess you're on the line, but it's just it's annoying. But the uh, thing that but I, I've heard that in meetings as well. I've heard right. that in a physical meeting where there's 15 people around a boardroom type table, and somebody brings up a topic and they're like, oh, well, let's take that offline. Yeah. No one's online right now. We're sitting around a table. Shut up. <laughs> Okay, to, to give everyone an example of uh, what I'm talking about here, I did find a little video on YouTube, and this is uh, produced by CNN, the American news uh, uh, station. And uh, this is a, a sketch uh, called Annoying Office Lingo. And it basically just gives us a chance to hear some uh, corporate jargon or management speak or annoying uh, lingo being used in, a, in an office environment. So let's just have a listen yeah, to that. Yeah, you'll hear a little uh, ding, and that's uh, just because there's a little green tick on the screen that you can't see uh, that uh, is saying, yes, that's the, every time you hear ding, it basically means that's ju- office jargon. Okay, and we will go through a lot of these things in this episode mm. later on. So here we go. Ah, Chris, just the person. Uh, we need to touch base later. I'll ping you an email when I'm free. I really want to see best practice on this one. Yes, we'll be taking it to the next level. Good man. Oh, I need you to reach out to New York immediately. Richard, my idea is a win-win situation. Good. Okay, so we've now picked the low-hanging fruit and the issue's on my radar, uh, but we need to really run it up the flagpole uh, to see what happens next. Look, can you two take this offline? Okay, just a few examples there uh, of annoying office lingo. Um, any of those? Do you remember any of those, Paul? Yeah, a lot of them. Although I felt that in, it was almost a, a laboured... Vi- like the, the, the beginning was kind of like weird. There was a couple of things where they got it wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the, the first one was like, I'll ping you an email. Right. No, it was just, I'll ping you. Like you, ping just means either email message, text, iCal... So it was just like, oh, I'll ping you later, or ping me. So not I'll ping you an email, but I'll just simply I'll ping you. Yeah, I'll ping you. Meaning or, I'll, I'll get in touch with you. Exactly, yeah. It's another way of saying reach out. Instead of saying like, oh, we should we should meet uh, for, uh, to talk about uh, our development plan next week. And you go, oh yeah, just ping me. All right, okay. Uh, and the other one was uh, best practices. We used to use that all the time. Best practice. Yeah, the, well, the way he used it, I've never heard it used that way, where mm. it was, where he goes, uh, I need, uh, the exact phrase I think he said was like, oh, I need this, I need, oh, I, 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 you know, I need you to give, be- I, what was it, what did he say? Yeah, it, it didn't feel. Let's, let's, let's hear it again. Yeah. Let's just hear that, that beginning part again. He talks about best practices. 
Ah, Chris, just the person. Uh, we need to touch base later. I'll ping. We need to touch base yeah, later. Yeah, that's fine. Right. So that, that that's that's a classic, isn't it? Yeah. And then he says, later. I'll ping you an email, but you think it's I'll ping yeah, you. Yeah, it's just, just ping. Okay. You don't need to. Base add. later. I'll ping you an email when I'm free. Right. I'll ping you when I'm free. It should be there. Yeah. Here's the one that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I really want to see best practice on this one. Yeah. I really yeah. I really want to see best practice on this one. What yeah. does he mean? Well, the way the way I've always used it or I've always heard it used is like what are the best practices around this topic? You know, whether it's let's say we're I don't know, delivering a training session, or what are the best practices around delivering a training se- What are the best practices in recording a, a podcast? Which basically means what are the like the top tips? Uh, best practices, well, so, the, the best ways to do it, yeah, and that—that's the sort of the original use of that uh, expression. What are the best practices? Mm. Meaning, what are the best approaches or the best ways of doing it? Yeah, but he's saying, I really want to see best practice. So somehow that's more irritating. Yeah, is it, it might be. Well, it's. I think so. And it, what it might, what might. I'm sure there's like a standard list of these, and then each company takes their own. And and if this is produced by CNN, it might be CNN's way of saying, you know, their thing. Don't use these. What you mean? CNN have a list of well, they might like best practice might be uh, the term that the, someone's heard somewhere, and um, whoever works for that company like Im- imports it into their into their job. We used to have it was just like every year there was a new word, or every six months there was a new, or every quarter uh, if yeah. we're doing jargon. Um, uh, there was a new word that it was a new buzzword that somebody heard somewhere, not necessarily in a meeting, but maybe like off something else, and then they've changed the meaning or made their own meaning about it you what you mean is that either formally or informally some of these buzzwords just get entered into the vocabulary of the corporate culture Mm. and so it could be that cnn have actually published internal documents that include these phrases they're not telling the staff to use the phrases but the phrases have just become the 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 general buzzwords to explain certain things that cnn are trying to do yeah or it's that's just the way they use the term best practice like within cnn yeah within within cnn their way of using the term best practice is like i want to really see best practice on this whereas for us it was what are the best practice it was always plural it was never singular it was never what is a well you could say what is a best practice but you would generally say what are the best practices? Right. So normally it's an it's an it's a countable noun. Uh, you know what are the best practices? Yeah, exactly. And he's now converted it into an uncountable noun. Exactly. I want to see best practice. Okay. Yeah. All right. One of the things, actually, funnily about this whole thing, is uh, and this is going back to to when I first did the podcast and I had the whole idea of Taylor's top tips. Right. While we were making tea before yeah. the podcast. Um, Taylor's top tips came from when I worked and I was I hated the term best practices ah. so I would like if I was delivering because I would deliver training to people who wanted to become trainers so I was doing like a train the trainer kind of course mm. the master tra- I was the master Jedi like trainer the Jedi. you were Yoda basically yeah, but, and I, with, but taller <laughs> taller and I could speak proper English right um, and so I would train people and I would just put a thing uh, we used to use flip charts you know the, like the the um, the big white papers where you'd create a list. And then you have that awesome moment where you flip the paper over. Yeah, exactly. Or even tear it off. Did you ever tear we the t- paper we, off? We had, we, had, we had the best ones. So you could tear them off, but they were basically big post-it notes. So you could tear oh. it off and then you could just stick it on a on a wall without having to use tape because the top had already... It Stickiness was just Im- Yeah, imagine, a, imagine a, a post-it note, but the size of a flip chart. This is why Apple 
uh, rule the world because you've got sticky <laughs> flip charts. <laughs> That's the key, isn't it? I wonder if I wonder uh, if Android have got sticky flip charts know. or Samsung. Anyway, so yeah, so it, we used to have a section where we would talk about best practices, and everyone would share their best practices of delivering training. You know, open body language, ask open questions, okay. this kind of stuff. And instead of putting best practices as the title on the flip chart, I wrote top tips, right. and then somebody in my training class was like, "Oh, Taylor's top tips." And that just became a thing inside of Apple. I see. Which was when I would tell somebody a top tip on training, it'd be like, oh, Taylor's top tips I turned see. into this thing that you inspired me. Long story short, best practices, we use it differently than so, CNN. Yeah, long story short, instead of saying, <laughs> in, instead of saying best, what are our corporate best strategies for in-company training? You said, All right, what are your top tips for delivering training exactly. sessions? And top tips probably could be included in corporate jargon maybe as maybe, well. Maybe, but but it's it's clear and, and short mm. and efficient and simple yeah. and, and easy to understand. Whereas best practices sounds pretentious yeah. it sounds like the person is just trying to make themselves sound more important mm-hmm. and more intelligent than they really are yeah. and this is probably the, the the point that people uh, this is this is what makes people so annoyed about this kind of corporate language is that often it's unnecessary yeah. and often it's um, seems to be just uh, a chance to try and make yourself look important yeah um, now, I, yeah I, I think it's yeah, I think it's that, and I think it's also people that get annoyed about it who aren't English speakers, because none of those are very easily translatable. Right. You know, like best practices, we would have that written in some of our training guides, and then when those training guides got translated to French or Spanish, and I was reading them, it would it would literally be translated as best practices, which doesn't make any sense in any other... In So I think that was the thing that a, a lot of people on our team who aren't American would get annoyed at was if it's like, oh, reach out. How do you say reach out in right. French? You don't. You just say contact. So why don't we just stop using complicated, overly complicated words when we work for a company that's supposed to be a global company? So not only is this language just irritating to native speakers mm. in many cases, it's also mystifying and confusing for non-native exactly, speakers. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I can just... Um, simplify a little bit and just define a few terms here at this point in the Mm. episode um, before we go any further. So corporate jargon, management speak. um, What is jargon? That's the first question. So here's a definition of the word jargon from the Cambridge Dictionary for Learners of English. And according to them, jargon obviously is a noun. It's an uncountable noun. And it means words and phrases used by particular groups of people that are difficult for other people to understand. And so we hear things like legal jargon. That's all of the legal language language that only lawyers understand, uh, technical jargon, medical jargon, uh, even English teaching jargon. Mm. For example, English teachers, especially after they've just taken the Delta uh, exam qualification, if they've done their Delta, often they'll be full of all of this kind of jargon and they'll be saying, you know, first of all, I want to activate the student's schemata and then facilitate the non-deductive process of lexical acquisition. <laughs> Which, which basically means I just want to make the students think about the subject and then give them a chance to work out the meaning of the new words. Right. Okay. Uh, also, but then also we get corporate jargon, um, which is just the sort of language that comes out in the in the corporate world or the jargon that is used in the uh, work of managing other people. Hmm. Okay. And that brings us on to corporate jargon or, or management speak. Yeah. And... Um, so 
Management speak. Here's a definition of management speak, also from the Cambridge um, uh, Dictionary. Um, and ma- speak normally is a verb, but here it's being used as a noun. So management speak. And this refers to workplace words and expressions that are used by managers and in management theory, but may not be understood by ordinary people. So it's basically managers in the corporate world using certain phrases and certain expressions that most ordinary people can't understand. And it gives an example of relationship marketing, which apparently is management speak for selling products by offering discounts and benefits to existing customers. That whole thing is wrapped up in the term relationship marketing. Um, And if you don't know about, you know, management speak or the world of corporate, you know, management, then you're not going to know what relationship marketing is and it's just going to sound weird. Uh, So basically, corporate jargon, management speak, the same thing. It's just words and expressions used in the corporate world Mm. that that outside of that context don't really mean anything. And so the, the question I'd like to just look at now, I think we understand what it is. We've looked at some examples of it and we've talked briefly about what's what's wrong with it um but maybe we can just think about why people use management speak now what do you think paul why is it that um you know people in apple or cnn or other companies are going around saying you know i want to touch base with you in order to get all our ducks in a row Mm. uh, and in in order to ensure best practice going forward why is it that they're saying stuff like this i think it's going back to what you said earlier on like people just want to make themselves sound better than they are Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know why. I don't. I'd love to know who the first person. Uh, one of the words that we used to say quite often was impactful. Impactful, which isn't a word. Well, impact is the is the original word. Yeah. Impact, like for example, when a when a, a meteor hits the earth. Yeah. It impacts. Um, yeah, on the and earth. so the, the, one of the impactful. words we used to say was impactful, uh, and it became a buzzword, and it probably still is. And it annoyed me because I looked it up and it, it wasn't a word. Can you give me an example of yeah, that? Yeah, it would, would be like, um, uh, 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 you know, the use of technology uh, in our lives is really impactful. Okay. Meaning it has a lot of impact. So right. I, I think, you know, like it, you would say, yeah, I mean, you know, um, the use of an iPhone in the medical industry uh, has been very impactful or the iPhone has been very impactful in the... So it annoyed you when you realised that it wasn't a word. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was a word. And then I looked it up and it was like, no, it's not a word. And I just thought, well, why are we using that? Um, but do you th- what's the alternative to saying impactful? Uh, uh, having impact, I guess. Or it has, ha- has impacted. Uh, it's ju- it, you'd probably just have to create a more complicated yeah. English phrase. In which case, I, I, you know, it, it's all right because I, my belief is that language is used for communication and if yeah. you can find a, a way of communicating easily uh, more efficiently then go for it you know I'm, I'm i always have the discussion with people where they're like oh english is losing its thing because people can't speak or write english anymore uh we're losing the language and all this kind of stuff or french people say the same thing about french that english is in um is being added to the french languages anglicisms and we're losing our language and um I my opinion is so what yeah like it a language has always evolved it always will evolve and um, it's like you go back to Shakespeare's time everyone spoke differently mm-hmm. and if they listen to us now like if they listen to a, a, a person who was highly educated from Cambridge right now they would think he sounded ridiculous yeah um, and it's just the way it is and we just have to uh, you know understand that language will evolve and 
that's just the, the part of life. Mm. And uh, so I think there are two two aspects, two sides to this situation. Mm. On one side, uh, you know, yes, it seems very annoying when um, this kind of language is being used, and there is an argument to say that some of it is unnecessary and redundant and sort of um, bad English, let's say. There is an mm. argument for that, which is quite well backed up by lots of, of, of people. Yeah. And then on the other side, there is just the sense that, well, people should not get too upset about certain new language coming along because in the grand scheme of things, that's ju- as you said, that's yeah. just the way that language develops over time. That it's a tool and the tool gets adapted and changed depending on the, you know, the reasons it it's being used mm. and if we get a word like impactful in fact that's quite a useful word in the end yeah uh, but it sounds annoying to us because we're like how dare you we value the language you know we mm. we naturally have uh, a lot of value to our language and so when people sort of change it and adapt it you kind of there's a slight sense of resistance of like yeah. you can't just change the language that's arrogant and it's pretentious mm. but that's what's always that's, that that yeah. is what has always happened um well like yeah like i, I felt that english in english is a very difficult language to learn because uh the spelling is a, is just out of this world like yeah. how do you you know and i can't remember in what year it was but spanish went through a, a reform where they just reformed the whole language the whole spelling of it yeah. so now Spanish, you read it as it is. There's yeah. only one pronunciation for each letter, um, and that's th- that's just it. And if it's written away, it will always be pronounced that exact same way. And in a way, I feel like English needs that at some... Well, I mean, it'll probably happen at some stage, but... Um, but who's going to decide that? Because in France, in France, for example, they have the Académie Française. Yeah, in right? Spain, the equivalent, which is uh, Real Academia, which is the Royal Academy. Okay. Uh, they made that decision, I can't remember when, to be like, right, we're changing the language and it's with the spelling reform is just going to, people are going to resist, but it's just the way it is. And, so, it's, it, you know, it's like when my parents <clears throat> uh, get angry about the youth uh, writing you, like you, how are you? And they write how the letter R and then the letter U, yeah. which is, you know, they're like, oh, it's you, the death of the English yeah, language. You can't yeah. speak proper English. But to go back to your question about why people use it. I think I don't know what the origins of these phrases or this jargon was, but I think people now, you know, as they go into businesses, they start using it uh, uh, subconsciously. I I used to speak this. I used to talk about. I used to, as much as it pained me, it, I used to hear myself say these words because you just get used to it. If you're used to like being in business meetings or all this kind of stuff, you hear the words, and in order to communicate you just end up using the words again and everyone kind of in that same environment ends up um, being like parrots and Mm -hmm. and imitating each other. Not necessarily for any specific reason of being like, I want to show off. It just happens that people, you know, if you grow up, uh, you know, if you're at school and a new buzzword comes at school, instead of saying cool, remember when I was a kid, people used to say cool, but then at some stage, the the word dark came about yeah. to mean cool like oh, oh that's, that's dark that's dark or oh, that's sick and then yeah. for about a year everyone started using that same thing but right. it was I think a lot of it's subconscious so that it's actually a very complicated issue and it, it relates to other areas that we could talk about um, for example like you know the way that language develops and uh, people's attitudes to the development of language and also questions about you know whether uh, it's 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 right for there to be an academic sort of institution that tells people mm. the right and wrong way to to to, to use language, or mm. whether it's more somehow more uh, democratic 
to follow the trends in language. You know, I mean, briefly, in France and Spain, they have a, an academy which says this is right and this is wrong. Mm -hmm. In the UK, we have probably Cambridge University, maybe a few other academic institutions, that instead of just having a meeting and deciding this is right and this is wrong, what they actually do is they study uh, massive amounts of, 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 of data, basically samples of language. They yeah. have these things called like concordances, uh, corp uh, corpora, um, big collections of samples of spoken and written uh, English. And, and it's, they're very complete. And what they do is they stick them all into computer programs and then they work out the frequency of language being used. And based on that frequency, they will then write their grammars of English and mm. dictionaries and things. And the grammar of English, the, the Cambridge grammar of English, will follow what is generally being used in the world, yeah. uh, probably by native speakers, and it's 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 not the other way around. You see what I mean? It's yeah. not like the academics are saying, yeah, this is right and this yeah. is wrong because we say so. In fact, they're saying this is right and this is wrong because that's what everyone because does. that's what everyone's, yeah. yeah. So that arguably is, is a more democratic process. I like that, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you could say, yeah, but it's frustrating because we don't get a sense of like who's in control of this language. And it seems annoying when people just sort of, for example, when something that's wrong enters common usage mm. that seems to make everyone really unhappy yeah. um but but that's another issue that uh, we could come back to but i just want to talk about this question of why people use management speak yeah. before we go into some of the specific examples of management speak that generally people hate mm. um so um, information about corporate jargon from a Guardian article. So I, I found some articles online about this subject. Most of the articles had titles like, you know, the 10 most hated corporate jargon or, you know, 15 examples of of management speak that you hate. Yeah. It's usually that kind of thing. Um, so no anyway, one's going, oh, the 10 best uses. Like, no. The 10 things that you love about corporate speak. Most of the time, people <laughs> just hate corporate speak, it seems. But um, anyway, here's some information from a Guardian article, mm. which also includes reference to something called the Plain English Campaign. And uh, I don't know if you'd ever heard of the Plain I English Campaign. I hadn't, no. Well, this is a movement um, in the UK which has been going since 1979. It's actually a very well-established movement. And their objective is to promote plain, simple and clear English, which is free of jargon and also uh, free of, by saying free of, I mean doesn't include. So clear, plain English, which doesn't have jargon and doesn't have misleading public information. Um, and it's the Plain English campaign has been supported by numerous well-known and very well-respected public figures, including heads of state such as Tony Blair, Margaret Thatcher and the Prince of Wales. Did I say re respected public <laughs> figures? I did. Anyway, here's, here's what The Guardian wrote about the subject of management speak. Uh, and it said this, the, the Plain English campaign says that many staff working for big corporate organisations find themselves using management speak as a way of disguising the fact that they haven't done their job properly. Some people think that it's easier to bluff their way through by using long, impressive sounding words and phrases, even if they don't know what they mean which is telling in itself. So basically, that means that people seem to use management speak in order to make themselves sound more important, yeah. as you said. Uh, and the, the article went on to say, uh, furthermore, a recent survey by Institute of Leadership and Management revealed that management speak is used in almost two-thirds of offices, with nearly a quarter considering it to be a pointless irritation. 
Thinking Outside the Box, which had 57%, Going Forward, mm. which was 55%, and Let's Touch Base, 39% in this study, were identified as the top three most overused pieces of jargon. All right. Um, now, have you ever heard of uh, Bullshit Bingo? <laughs> no, but I, I, well, I, I think I know the concept is where you create a bingo card with all the bullshit phrases. What's bingo? Just to just to oh, clarify, yeah, bingo is a is a great game that is played overly played in the UK by mm-hmm. elderly people, right? Uh, where people sit and I guess uh, it's a social thing, and they have a little card in front of them with a bunch of different numbers. And then there's somebody at the front of the room uh, called a bingo caller that will shout out numbers and try and make them rhyme or do something funny. Like they'll say, uh, and, and the idea is they'll call out numbers. And if you have the same numbers, that it's kind of like lottery, yeah. but in live, you don't scratch off. And so somebody calls out these numbers. In and live. if you have in live, yeah, on T-Rex, do you know what I mean? French. <laughs> there's a bit of French in there. Uh, Not in li- just in, live. Just anyway. live. Um, <laughs> so so there's a guy calling out the numbers yeah and then you you check off the numbers on your little card and if you've got all the numbers you stand up and you shout bingo and then you win like a crap prize or some money yeah, or something like exactly. that exactly so alright so, you, so when you're playing bingo you're just listening out for your numbers and when you hear them you cross them off and you've got to get like four numbers and you win yeah but bullshit bingo is uh, instead of doing it with numbers you do it with these phrases so okay. uh, there's been a couple of times where I've been on a conference call uh, and uh, me and a friend of mine uh, who's also on the conference call, we have uh, created a list of phrases like going forward, reach out, uh, touch base, touch base, pipeline, roadmap, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as soon as we've heard them, we cross them off and then uh, we shout bingo at the end. Okay. And this is actually done secretly. Yeah. So it's like when people go into meetings or corporate... Uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Conference calls. Conference calls. They stay, in order to just try and enjoy it a bit more, they're secretly playing a game yeah. of bullshit bingo. And yeah, okay. I love it, bullshit bingo. So you actually used to play bullshit bingo? Yeah, I've played it a couple of times, yeah. All right. Okay, okay, good. So um, I just wanted to kind of go through the arguments again. Before we, I think this is important just to establish uh, exactly how we feel about the subject of management speak. And so it's clear from, you know, what that Guardian article said is that uh, a lot of people find it to be annoying and pointless. But is there actually anything wrong with management speak? And isn't this just the language of work? I'm sure that some people actually believe that management speak is useful and important. Um, So let me just say a couple of things. One of them is that people need to use complex language to talk about complex specialist things, Mm. don't they? Um, But sometimes... I think that jargon is used to build power structures rather than just to achieve tasks. For example, in legal English, in contracts, you'll read uh, a lot of legal terminology, which is so difficult to understand that it doesn't actually help the parties to the contracts. Mm. So in any contract, you've got the the two business people who are doing the contract and then the two lawyers who've Mm. written the contract. And the lawyers might write it in such complicated legal terms terminology that the people the business people don't even understand what's written in the contract or the whole reason they need a lawyer yeah is because they can't read it like somebody would give me a contract uh and uh, i I won't understand it so then i have to hire a lawyer yeah so they're kind of making you know they're they're self-sustaining their own business yeah so arguably uh lawyers may and not just lawyers but you know many other people and they might not even do it without they they might do it even without realizing they're doing it 
but perhaps lawyers uh, arguably fill contracts or legal documents with, with legal ease, which is basically legal jargon, in order to make sure that they are then indispensable to their clients, hmm. possibly even yep. justifying their very high fees, as if to say, look, you know, you need us lawyers because you can't understand this document that we wrote. Yeah, um, but that's a, that's a hundred. I mean, that's just a, a good example of probably both of our personal lives. Uh, when yeah. Addy sends uh, my girlfriend, she sends me text to or or, or contracts to um, correct her English. Right. I don't know why I should be correcting her English because my English is ter- <laughs> is terrible, <laughs> as we have found out on previous episodes of Luke's English podcast. Uh, it's not really. But that, she right. sends me emails to 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 correct her English, and I read the emails, and yeah. I I haven't got a clue. I don't right. know what like half of the stuff. It just makes no sense, it, it, and I'm just like I. I don't understand what you're writing. Uh, bec- yeah. Not because the English is bad, just because it's got this jargon. And yeah, sometimes I think if it was made easier, then clients wouldn't necessarily need lawyers uh, because it's yeah, to, an, to translate the bullshit. There is an argument for that. Uh, so similarly, managers might use management speak to make themselves sound more important, to make them seem, seem more confident or impressive or more expert. Mm. And this... And this really is a sort of lack of sincerity you know that's maybe one of the reasons people don't like it because they feel like there's something mm-hmm. insincere or disingenuous about this use of language definitely and and, and um it it sounds like self-important bs and that's what's annoying when we're just trying to get things done um so arguments for and against so an argument for car- corporate jargon is is that some phrases are actually pretty useful and accurate, like possibly, what was the one that impactful. you meant? Impactful. And that there's really nothing wrong with using them, and that's just the nature of language that, you know, new phrases come about, and, you know, let's just use them if they're useful. And it's just pedantic and uptight to get so annoyed about them. For example, going forward, <laughs> arguably, is quite descriptive, and it's quite useful because it is quite positive. It's like, you know, we, we need to try to raise our, uh, our, our sales going forward, which arguably you could say that's good because it's like saying yeah. we need to raise our sales in the future, yeah. but going forward suggests some sense of progress and positivity. Yeah, I just hate the phrase. I don't know why, but it's because it is so impactful and going forward. They seem to be quite they're descriptive. They're actually pretty good, but I still hate them both, and I don't know why. And you're not alone. <laughs> and you're not alone. There are many, many people who agree with you, and that's maybe what's interesting about this, mm. that why do, people, why do people take against this kind of language so much? Um, and as we've already said, I think I'm, I'm repeating myself now as, as i often do on the podcast <laughs> but uh, here's the argument against sloppy cliches or impenetrable jargon and meaningless redundant language doesn't help proper communication mm. and it can just be used to distract attention away from the real work that has to be done and also it irritates so many people and maybe that is a reason alone to just look further at this subject i do have some comments from people um Here's a, here's a comment which, is, uh, which I found on the Plain English campaign website. Right. Um, and uh, so the, here's, the, here's a comment. A, co- a common? Comment, comment. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is actually from Margaret Thatcher. Um, and she said, Human relationships depend on communication. Bad writing is a barrier to communication. And when a large organisation such as the government tries to communicate with the man and woman in the street, the scope for misunderstanding is enormous. Mm. And too often, clarity and simplicity are overwhelmed by pompous words, long sentences, and endless paragraphs. 
And she said, if we all wrote in plain English how much easier and efficient life would be, it's no exaggeration to describe plain English as a fundamental tool of good government. And other things, like someone else said... um, um, here's, here's a, a reader of The Guardian who commented by saying, no one wishes to be reactionary and oppose all linguistic evolution. For example, the efforts of, in France to protect their language, he says, are absurd and rightly the butt of much ridicule. However, Lucy Kellaway, she's a, a journalist who wrote about corporate language. Okay. Um, Lucy Kellaway usefully points out how much of these recent changes are intended to deceive and mislead people. And most of the phrases are merely empty, but some are deliberately dishonest and designed to distort meaning. And she takes her examples from the business world, but this kind of malevolent misuse of language is at the heart of political correctness and so on. Um, so, okay, a few different things. Many people hate it, but um, do you think that my learners need to know this language. Yeah, definitely. I think if you're going to learn English, I mean, it depends what your motivation for learning English is. If you're learning English just to be able to uh, to hang out with English-speaking friends and chat with them down the pub over a pint and watch the football, uh, then probably not. Yeah. But most people, I think, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that, that most people learn English because they are thinking about uh, getting a better job which means that they'll have to speak English or yep. go and live in an English-speaking country, which means that they'll be working uh, in that English-speaking country. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, because if you're going to go work, I mean, obviously, the, it, uh, some of this corporate jargon is just very, for corporate jobs, you know, where you work in an office. Um, but, you know, a lot of jobs are working in an office. Like, if you work in a restaurant uh, as a waiter or as a barman or whatever, then you might not come across those words, in which case... Uh, I, I wouldn't worry too much about them. But if you're if you're thinking, oh, I want to go work for, you know, a, a, a company where I will be sitting in an office yeah. uh, with other people, then you're bound to hear these phrases. And uh, I think it can be a big barrier to uh, evolving within a Anglophone company yeah. if you don't start using them yeah, or, or at least understand them. And yes. play, and you know, we had we had the case where there were some people uh, on our team that weren't uh, English native speakers, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, after four years, they still didn't really understand these phrases, and they didn't really make much effort to understand them either. Yeah, and because they probably hated them as well. Probably, yeah, and uh, it just it meant that they. Um, you know, I, uh, they didn't make much progress. because yeah, the, the I think language so. became a barrier. I mean, I've met many, many people from lots and lots of countries who do business with British and Americans. Mm. You know, I've, I've taught English in companies and things like that, and I still do. And they say that they often struggle to penetrate the idiomatic language used yeah. by native speakers of English. And a lot of it will be this kind of corporate language. Um, so this is an issue which is actually, this is an issue which affects native speakers and non-native speakers. Because native speakers should really try to cut down on it or try and make their English more plain and simple. But also for non-native speakers, you, you, you need to know this kind of stuff just so that you at least can follow uh, that, that difficult conference call. Yep. Or, or just to be at least aware of the existence of this language and to be aware of the fact that native speakers too get confused and annoyed by it. Mm. Um, so um, should it be banned? Well... That goes back to the question of who's in charge of the language. Um, and I personally, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to 
say that language should be banned or controlled. I don't. Th- that doesn't really go along with the way I, l- I like to see language as yeah. a sort of a thing that develops on its own. So I don't think that it's necessary to step in with some rules and say you can't use these phrases anymore. I think any anyway, it's it, it's it's worth just being aware of it. And for learners of English, it's it's. Um, mm. it's I think if I was running a company. If I was the the CEO of my own company, I would ban those words. Would you really? Yeah, because well, it depends what kind of company it was. But in theory, it would be a global company, and I I've I've lived. I know what it's like to not understand, and so I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want my employees who are not English speakers to have to struggle. So I would just say, like, all of you, stop using this bullshit language, but that, so that, that they don't understand. That's a dangerous move because then you now have to make value judgments about individual items of language, and you know you might be wrong about some of them you might find that by banning some of the words you actually make life much more difficult for some of your staff maybe and and by being dogmatic and saying you can do this and you can't do that it's actually i, I, I would i wouldn't be a, i wouldn't be like a, a dictator about it i'd put no. like a a swear jar you know when you sometimes you have those little when you're a kid sometimes your parents will put a thing where you have to put in like 50 cents mm-hmm. every time you say the word shit Okay. Uh, so I would I I'd I'd put a jar in um that would be uh, the corporate jargon jar. Right. That sounds that's good. sounds good. Corporate jargon jar. <laughs> the corporate jargon jar. Do you jar. have to put 50 cents in every time you say the expression corporate jargon jar as well? Uh, yeah, you probably have to put a euro in for that. But you then call it jar, so, jar 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 binks. Jar jar. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone really, hates jar jar yeah, binks. Yeah, that's a good one. And then yeah. uh, the money uh, in there would go to buying drinks at the end of the week okay. at the pub. Okay. That's interesting. So you're encouraging people to use Yeah, I wouldn't be like, English. don't ever use it. Just be like, hey, yeah. there's people on this team that are Italian and Russian and whatever. And, uh, you know, they're having a hard time. So let's just use plain English. Right. Okay. Then. And if you don't, then uh, the drinks are on you. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds, sounds like a good idea. Hello, listeners. This is Luke. I'm just pausing the podcast. How is the episode for you so far? Are you managing to keep up with all of this? It's quite a, uh, a quick conversation and the subject is a little bit in-depth. But I certainly hope you've been managing to follow what we're saying and that you find it useful as well as relevant uh, to the world of learning English. Uh, I've decided to pause the podcast at this point because uh, our conversation goes on for a little bit longer. In fact, uh, the total time for the episode is about one hour and 25 minutes. So I thought that I would just uh, slice it in half at this moment. Um, And so that is basically the end of episode one or part one of this two part series. Um, in the second part, we will go through lots of the examples that you heard me use at the beginning of this episode. So that's all those things like, I just wanted to touch base with you in order to get all our ducks in a row moving forwards. So we actually, in the next one, we'll go through all of the language that you've you've heard uh, in this one, specifically breaking it down, making sure that you understand exactly what they mean, and also talking about um, whether they're genuinely really bad uh, examples of language or if they're pretty much acceptable um, ones as well. So um, stay tuned, and the next episode should be available for you to listen to very, very soon, and, uh, and that'll be that, okay? As ever, leave your comments uh, on the page for this episode of Luke's English Podcast, um, teacherluke.co.uk. Go there, you'll find uh, this episode, and uh, you can see all of the 
you can see a lot of things written there, including that first thing I said at the start of the episode that contained examples of all this management speak. So if you if you want to like actually read the phrases and, and see them, then you can just go to uh, the page for this episode. Um, that's it. I'm going to stop rambling on now and uh, bring this episode to a close. Uh, but I suggest that you now move on to um, part two of this uh, little series and then you can carry on. Okay, but for now, it's just time for me to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.